morning, everybody, and uh, welcome out as we are continuing in this series we've been in now for the past several weeks that we've been calling uh, the Everyday uh, Revolution, the Everyday Revolution, and we're really excited about this series. It's been a blast to be able to kind of go through this here together for the past several weeks, but I do want to just say uh, that if you are just tuning in or if you're a guest with us this morning and you missed the past few weeks, let me just kind of catch you up to speed with what it is that we've been talking about. So just as a quick recap. What we've been doing in this series, we said, is that we're studying and we're looking together at something in the Bible uh, that is sometimes referred to as the household codes. And so that's what we've been studying together, is, uh, is these passages in the Bible uh, that are sometimes referred to as the household codes. And really what that's talking about is it's talking about a selection of different passages of Scripture that you'll find in the New Testament. And so, so here's just, uh, for example, a quick snapshot of the different places where you will find the household codes in the New Testament. Of course, if you want to study those or read those on your own, we'd encourage you to do that. Uh, but this is sort of what we've been navigating through, been kind of talking through these passages. And here's what we've been saying. We've been saying that the common denominator that all of these passages share, kind of the, the common thread that unites them, is that all of them really speak about the everyday, practical, day-to-day -day relationships of life. And so in the household codes, you find things like uh, the, the relationship about marriage, uh, you find family, you find parenting, you find work-related relationships, generational considerations, gender issues, all of that is sort of spoken about in the household codes. And for us in this series, the reason that we're studying this together is really to ask kind of one simple question, but I think it's very, very profound in its implications. And the question that we're asking is this, we're asking, does God have an ideal for our everyday relationships? So that's the question. Well, it's a simple question, but if you think about it, it really does have profound implications uh, because the question is, does God have an ideal for these day-to-day -day relationships? So in other words, does God have a way that he wants marriage to be done? Does God have a way, does he have a, a way that he wants parents to interact with children and children to interact with parents? Does God have, have an ideal for the way that we navigate through these day-to-day -day relationships in our life? Or is it simply that every culture sort of gets to define uh, what they think those relationships look like? Does every culture just get to decide, this is what we think marriage should be, and this is what we think parenting should be, and this is what we think is the best for us? Or is there a transcendent ideal uh, that transcends all, all history, transcends all cultures, that is universal to all of humanity an ideal that God has in these relationships. And like I said, it's a simple question, but I think it's a really profound one and a really important one uh, because if God does have an ideal in those relationships, man, I think we want to find it. I think we want to know what that is. And so that's why we're kind of going through the household codes together. So, so what we've done so far, uh, if you have been with us, is we started talking about marriage. Uh, we talked to husbands, we talked to wives, and we talked to singles. We looked at what the household codes have to say to those different relationships. The last couple of weeks, we've, we've addressed parents, and we talked about, according to the Bible, what is God's ideal for parenting? We got a chance to kind of unpack that. And so today, as we're continuing in the series, we find ourselves in the relationship. And what we're going to address today is we're going to address children. And we're going to talk about how do children interact with parents? Okay, so what do the household codes teach about this? Now, I am pretty excited about this conversation. And, and the reason is because uh, of all of the household codes, this one really does apply to everybody in this room. Right? When we were talking to wives, when we were talking to husbands, not everyone in this room is a wife, not everyone in this room is a husband. When we were talking to parents, not everyone in this room is a parent. But the one thing we all share in common is that every single one of us is a child in one way or the other. Right? So just a quick survey by a show of hands. How many of you are a child who was born to parents? Just out of curiosity. 
Yeah, okay, so that's 100% of us, right? So this immediately applies to all of us. Now, of course, childhood and, and what it means to be a child is going to look different. And so maybe for some of you, you're, you're a child who still lives at home. Uh, maybe you're an elementary school student, you're a middle school student, you're a high school student. And of course, that, that would qualify as a child for sure. However, there's also different stages in childhood. Some of us are grown children, and so maybe you have your own home, and you have your own children, and, and you're in that phase, but you still have your parents, and, and maybe for you, your parents are, are older, they're grandparents now, and you're in a different season with them, but that still qualifies as being a child. Maybe for you, you're, you're in a place right now where, you're, where your parents are in the, the, the kind of the final season of life. And you're navigating that with them, and, and you're playing the role of caregiver in some ways, and it's a different season for you, uh, but it's still childhood. Maybe for you, you lost your parents, or you've lost one of your parents, and you're trying to navigate through that now, uh, but, but you're still a child, no matter, no matter how long you live. As long as you're alive on this earth, you're, you're a child to your parents. And I think today's conversation, we're going to see that, that, that what the Bible has to say about how children interact with their parents applies to all seasons. Uh, whether you're a young child or whether your parents have passed, I think that what we're going to find today is that there's something for everyone here. Now, now, before we jump into this conversation and we talk about how children are to interact with parents according to the Bible, I think it's probably worth me just mentioning um, that I just want to be considerate, uh, that I understand that there are many, many, many different circumstances that are represented in this room and uh, represented in our church throughout the four services. And so uh, I know for some of us, for example, maybe for you, uh, the way that you grew up, uh, when I say that children need to interact with their parents in a certain way, maybe you grew up in a home where you had both biological parents present, uh, they were the ones who raised you, and maybe for you that was normal, and that's great, but I know for a lot of people that that's not normal, there, there is no normal anymore, and so maybe for some of you, you grew up in a home where it was a single parent home, and so maybe your mom raised you, or maybe your dad raised you, or maybe your mom was somewhat involved, or your dad was maybe not involved, and, and I think there's a lot of different things there. Maybe you were raised by step-parents, right? Maybe that was kind of your equation. Maybe for you, you were raised by your grandparents, or you were raised by adoptive parents, or you were raised by whatever it might be. And so because of that, when I, when I say that today we're going to talk about how children interact with parents, some of you are saying, yeah, okay, but like which parents are you talking about? Because I have step-parents, and I have biological parents, and I have all kinds of, my, you know, my grandparents. And, and let me just say this, that today... When we're talking about how children interact with parents, what I'm primarily talking about, I think what the Bible is primarily talking about, is those who had um, the most crucial role in our upbringing, those who are the most involved in our upbringing, okay? And so I want you just to kind of think through that filter in your experience. However, I think it's also worth saying that I think what the Bible has to say about children and parents actually applies to all parents, and so whether they're your grandparents or your step-parents or whether they're your parents-in-law, I think all of this is going to apply what we kind of see today. So I think it's worth saying, just want to be sensitive to that because I know there's a bunch of different scenarios that are represented in this room. So what does the Bible have to say then to children and parents in, in that relationship? Well, I want to invite you to grab your Bibles once again and let's go back to uh, where we left off last week in Ephesians chapter 6. So get your Bibles out if you got them. Go ahead and flip over to Ephesians 6. And uh, we're going to pick up in uh, what we said is the lengthiest household code in all of Scripture. So Ephesians 5 and 6 makes up the, the longest household code of all of the household codes. And so we're going to look at that one today. Ephesians chapter 6, by the way, if you didn't bring a Bible with you, that's no problem at all. You can just take one of those black Bibles that we have laid out. You can turn to page 816, where you'll find Ephesians chapter 6. So go ahead and get there, and, uh, and you can find that. Again, uh, let me just say that if you don't own a Bible... We think it's super important that you have one. So you can just snag one of ours. You can take it, 
take it home, write your name in it, read it. We'd encourage you to do that. Uh, make that a gift from us to you. So Ephesians chapter 6, page 816. Now, as you're flipping there, quick background again. It's the lengthiest household code. It actually starts in chapter 5. The apostle, the apostle Paul starts by talking about marriage. He talks to husbands. He talks to wives. And now in chapter 6, verse 1, he's going to address children. And here's what the apostle Paul says in this household code. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it might go well with you and that you might enjoy long life on the earth. Okay, so there it is. Pretty brief, three verses. But I think just for the sake of getting our mind around it, let's read it one more time. The Apostle Paul says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment that has a promise, so that it might go well with you and that you might enjoy long life on this earth. Okay, there it is. Like I said, pretty straightforward. And you'll probably notice when you look at this household code, there's a couple uh, different directives that are given to children as it relates to the relationship with their parents. The first one's super obvious. It's right there. The Bible says that children are to obey their parents. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says children are to obey their parents in the Lord because that's right. It's right for that to happen. In fact, this word obey that you see here, uh, what it literally means in the Greek language is it means to subject yourself to the authority of another person. It means to, be, uh, react, it means to react and respond and to live under uh, the directives and the authority of another person, to place yourself under them. It's what the Bible is talking about there. It's this idea of obedience. Uh, and, and by the way, when the Bible says that children are to obey their parents, when the Bible says that in the Lord, this is actually very congruent with what the other household codes teach. So let me show you just another household code that talks about children and parents. In Colossians chapter 3, you see the same idea. Children, obey your parents in, in everything, for this pleases the Lord. And so the Bible says, first and foremost, children are to obey their parents. Uh, they are to listen to their parents. They are to put themselves under the authority of their parents. And the Bible even goes so far, look at this, to say that that's right. This is right, and it pleases God. It pleases God when we do this. All right, now that seems pretty straightforward. It right? seems straightforward, but it, it actually brings up a couple difficult questions, right? So, so here's one, for example. For some of us who are like 30, 40, 50, 60 years old, right, or older, we might be saying to ourselves, okay, I mean, that makes sense, but like, does that still apply to me, right? Am I supposed to, I'm 30, 40, 50, I have my own kids, I have my own house, maybe even have your own grandkids. You're like, am I, does God want me to obey, to submit myself to the authority of my parents? If, my, if, if I'm like 50 and my mom calls me from Florida and she's like, honey, I want you to paint your walls blue and I want you to get a haircut today, then I'm like, well, I guess I have to do that because it pleases God and because it's right. Like, is that what the Bible's saying here? So it creates an interesting question, right? How about this one? Here's another question. Notice the Bible says, children, obey your parents. Look at this. In everything. In everything. And some of us are like, everything? Like everything. Like what if my parents are asking me to do something that is like blatantly against the law or is against what the Bible says? Like what if my parents are like, honey, I want you to lie and cheat and steal today. And then later on, I want you to make me up some meth. Like do that. Like are we just supposed to... Are we just supposed to, like, accommodate that request and be like, well, okay, God wants me to do it and everything? Like, how far are we actually supposed to go with this, right? Well, let me just help clarify a couple things. First and foremost, I think it's important to notice that the Bible says that we are to obey our parents in the Lord. So what that means is that, of course, 
our first uh, authority, the first person we submit to in everything is God. And, and so if anything is in violation to his scripture, um, then of course we want to obey God before we even obey our parents. That's what the, I think what the Bible would say. So it's important that we recognize that. But I also think it's a very clarifying. We actually alluded to this a couple weeks ago. When the Bible uses the word children here, uh, commentators agree that the word that's used there is actually referring to a very specific season of childhood. It's really referring to children who are underneath the roof and the authority and the jurisdiction of their parents. You have to remember the context, right? This is a household code. So the Apostle Paul is addressing different members of the household. And so the assumption is that the children are those who live in the house of their parents, okay? So, so when the Bible says that children are to obey their parents, he's actually speaking about a very specific season of childhood. So what that means is this. If you're a middle school student, if you're a high school student, if you're an elementary school student in this room right now, and you live at home, and you live with your parents, it is God's, listen, it is God's will for you, it is God's design for you, that you obey your parents. The first time, every time, and with a happy heart. That's what God wants from you. God wants, that, listen, it pleases God. That's right to him. And even if, even if you disagree with the rules, even if you're like, well, I don't like those rules, or even if you're like, you know what, when I grow up, I'm never going to have that rule. That's fine. But while you're with your parents, you have to recognize that they are God's chosen people in your life for the season of life that you're in. And it pleases God that you obey them the first time, every time, and with a happy heart. It's a good thing. Now, now that some of us are saying, okay, that's fine and good. But like, what about some of us in this room who maybe are older and, you know, we're, we're in college or we're out of school or we have our own families? Like, what's our role with our parents? Is after this stops, then what happens? Well, the interesting thing is if you look at this passage, you will notice that there is an application to a larger universal uh, truth about parenting that applies to all children of all ages at any stage in any part of the game. Now, what am I talking about? Well, I think when the Bible says that children, that children who are under the household of their parents are to obey their parents, that's actually an application to a bigger reality, which is true of all children, and that's this. Notice the Bible says this, that we are to honor our father and mother. We are to honor our father and mother. So, so in other words, what is it that every child, no matter what age or what stage you're in in life, what is it that every child owes their parents according to the Bible? What is it? What is the, what is the common center that is consistent whether you're, a, whether you're a toddler or an adolescent or whether your parents have passed or whether your parents are in the final seasons of their life or whether you're a grown child? What is the common center of your relationship with your parents that God wants all children to do to all parents? Here it is. God wants children to honor their father and mother. This is what God wants of all children, of all ages, at any stage, at any age in the parenting, in the childhood process, is God wants us to honor our parents. Now, here's the thing about this. This actually is a very complicated thing. The commandment to honor our parents is a complicated thing, and it oftentimes brings up a whole bunch of emotion and a whole bunch of questions. And here's what I mean by that, okay, just to illustrate what I'm talking about. I want to just do a quick thought experiment. Okay, so humor me here for a second. And I just want you to play along. This is going to sound kind of weird to you, but just play along with me. Okay, so if you're taking notes, put your pen down. Look up here for a second. All right? Humor me on this. I want you to do this. All right? I want you to do this with me real quick. I want you to think about your mother. All right, now some of you are like, really? I'm like, yeah, really. Some of you are like, well, my mom's here. 
well, then just look at her awkwardly, right? <laughs> but, but I want you, seriously, just for a minute, I just want you to, to think, close your eyes if you need to. I just want you to think about your mom. Think about her. Or the person that played that role in your life. I want you to think about her. What's she like? What's your relationship like with her right now? All right, now, I want, if you're thinking about that, if you're actually doing that, I want you to think about these words. Honor your mother. Honor her. All right, now, in the same way, I want you to do this. I want you to think about your father, okay? Close your eyes if you need to. Imagine him. Imagine his face. All right, what's your relationship with him like? What was your relationship like with him if you knew him? The person that played that role in your life, I want you to imagine that person. Now, I want you to think about these words. Honor your father. Honor him. All right, now, now here's the thing. If you actually did that, uh, I think you, you can understand a little bit of why there's so much complexity around this commandment. Because quite honestly, for some of us in this room, when I said think about your mother or think about your father, for some of you, when you closed your eyes and you did that, your, your heart was full of warmth and, and you smiled. And when I said honor them, it, it kind of brought joy to your heart because for you, maybe, maybe you had awesome parents. And your parents are parents who are worthy of honor. And so it warms your heart and it brings you joy when you think of them. But, but honestly, for some of us in this room, when I said think about your mother, think about your father, maybe for some of you, your parents have passed and it just fills you with emotion. Maybe it fills you with, with uh, for some of you, with regret of things that you wish you would have done differently. For some of you, honestly, when I say think about your mother, think about your father, for some of you, when you think about one of those relationships or both of them, you are full of a cocktail of emotion. And there's pain and there's hurts and there's annoyance and there's, there's all kinds of weird stuff that's coming up in you when I say think about your mother. And for some of you, quite honestly, when I say honor them, when I say that, you bristle at that a little bit. And you're like, ah, I don't know, man. I don't know about that. See, and I think all that does is it reveals to us that this is actually a very complex commandment, that we are to honor our father and mother. You just think about it for a minute, okay? The relationship with our parents, I would, I would say, venture to say, is probably the most formative and most important relationship that paints the way we view the world, the way we view ourselves, and the way we view God. But just think about it for a minute. If you ever go to counseling, what is a good counselor going to do? The very first thing a good counselor is going to do is they're going to take you back to your childhood and they're going to try to untangle all of the good and the bad and the ugly things that happened in your upbringing that paint the way you view the world, that paint the way you view yourself and paint the way you view God. And, and man, that relationship is so crucial and it is so full of so many complexities and it, alt it, it completely alters the way that we view everything. And so because of that, this is a complex situation. But here's the thing that the Bible says. The Bible says that the thing that God wants for all children to do to all parents, regardless if you had good parents or you had bad parents or whether you had parents who made a lot of mistakes or didn't make a lot of mistakes, God says, I want you to honor them. And listen, man, I'm telling you, this is important to God. This is, you, know, you know how important this is to God? I want you to notice, look in Ephesians 6 again. The Apostle Paul says, honor your father and mother. Now, you notice that's in quotations. Now, why is that in quotations? Well, some of you guys know it's because he's quoting from the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, he's quoting from the commandments. In other words, this is a commandment. This, this, you guys are familiar with the Ten Commandments? God gave the Ten Commandments to his people. And he said, these are kind of like my big ten. 
These are the big 10 things that I want you to build society on. These are the big 10 things I want you to build your life on. And this is for your good and for human flourishing. These are important to me. And did you know that part of the 10 commandments, number five on the list is honor your father and mother. This is so important to God, it made the top 10. He's like, man, you want to live in the way that you're going to flourish the way I want you to flourish? Yeah, honor your father and mother. Honor your father and mother. So it's important. Now, again, I, I know that for some of us, when I say to honor your father and mother, it, to you, that seems like a great idea, and, and you have a great relationship. But some of you, there is immediate resistance to this, just immediate. And for some of you, you might be thinking, yeah, that's a nice command for other people in this room um, who have parents that are worth honor. But you might be thinking, man, you don't know my parents. And I will never honor them. And some of you, honestly, you have legitimate reasons for that. Because for some of you, maybe your parents, maybe your parents were abusive to you, physically abusive, verbally abusive, emotionally, sexually abusive. Some of you live with that, and it's a constant part of your pain, an company in your life, right? For some of you, um, maybe you felt abandoned by your parents. Maybe your dad left when you were little. Maybe your mom left. Maybe your parents were unstable. Maybe they were uh, manipulative or they were addicts in them, in their, you know, themselves. And, and, and because of that, you're like, man, I can't honor them. You don't know what they've done to me. And, and, and here's the thing. Listen, I think if you really want to understand the heart of what it means to honor your parents, I think you have to also understand what honoring them is not. Okay, so, so let, me just, let me just kind of talk for a minute about what the commandment is not. So the Bible says that we're to honor our father and mother. What doesn't that mean? Okay, so let's just be real clear here. The commandment is not, first and foremost, admire and enjoy your mother and father. That's not the commandment. Now, is it a good thing if you admire and enjoy your father and mother? Absolutely. Like, that's ideal if you admire and enjoy them. But God does not command that we admire and enjoy our parents. Why? Because, you, honestly, not everyone can do that. Not every person in this room can do that, Right? To, to say, for some of you, to say that you admire your parents or you enjoy them would be to deny the truth about your relationship with them. And quite honestly, for some of you, you can't admire your parents because it would be wrong to admire them. Some of your parents are not admirable. Some of your parents have maybe done very, very, very evil things. And because of that, to admire them would be wrong. And so the commandment is not admire and enjoy your parents. The hope is that you do admire and enjoy your parents. That would be a wonderful thing, but that's not the commandment. In the same way, the commandment is not trust your mother and father. It's not what God says. God doesn't say trust them. And again, why can't God command that? Well, because once again, not every parent is trustworthy. Like I said, some parents are manipulative. Some parents are unstable. Uh, some parents maybe are addicts. And so because of that, you can't trust them with your children or your finances. You can't. And sometimes the healthiest thing you can do as adult children is draw barriers in your relationship with your parents. This is a healthy thing. It's an awesome thing if you can trust your parents, but that's not what's commanded. In the same way, it's not commanded that you deny the faults of your mother and father. That's not the commandment. The commandment is not, hey, suppress and repress and deny and ignore the faults and the failures and the hurtful things your parents did and just put on a happy face and pretend like everything they did was perfect. That's not what the Bible says either. Why? Because that's not possible. That's not possible. Every parent, look, every parent is a flawed parent because every human is a flawed human. And, and so because of that, the commandment is not just to deny the faults of our mother and father. 
So what is the commandment? Well, here's the commandment. You guys know it's to honor our father and mother. And I believe that the reason that God commands this is because this is something that everyone can do. Whether you had awesome parents who were stellar or whether you had parents that were very hurtful and caused a lot of pain in your life, you can honor them. You can honor them. Every single one of us can do this. So, so the question then is, okay, well, then what is honor? What is that exactly? Um, well, let me give you uh, just a couple quick definitions. But the word honor itself, this word, if you were to pull it back into the Greek language, it literally means to ascribe worth to something. That's what it means. Uh, it actually was a word that was used in the marketplace. So think about it. If you were selling like goods, um, what you would do is you'd want to put a price tag on something. And so to put a price tag on something, you would have to ascribe value to it. You have to ascribe worth. That's actually the same word that's used about honoring our parents. It's to ascribe worth to them. It's to ascribe value that as, as God has placed these people in my life, God and his sovereignty, your parents were not a mistake. God gave you the parents that he did for a reason. And so I can ascribe value and worth to the position that God has placed them in in my life. In fact, here, here's just a one-sentence definition. If you're taking notes, you can jot this down. I think biblically what it means to honor is this. I think honor is a, it's a decision. Now, notice I said decision. This, this is not an emotion. This isn't a feeling. This is a choice. I'm going to honor my parents. It's a decision to highly esteem. I'm going to put value on this. I'm going to ascribe worth to them. As the, as the people that God has sovereignly put in my life, I'm going to ascribe worth in them. It's to highly esteem my parents, and it's to treat them with dignity, and it's to treat them with value. That's what it is. I think to honor them is it's a decision that I'm going to highly esteem my parents. I'm going to treat them with dignity and with value. Now, that might beg a good question. Some of you are like, okay, all right, so practically speaking, how do I do this? Practically, how do I honor my parents? And I want to give you some thoughts, but before I give you those thoughts, I do want to just say, that I think to honor your parents, honestly, it's going to take a lot of prayer. It's going to take a lot of creativity. It's going to take a lot of thoughtfulness because, quite honestly, not every scenario is the same, like I mentioned earlier. And to honor your parents might look different than what it would look like to honor my parents because people respond to things differently. But I do think there are some universal things we can consider that come from the Bible. So, so here's just some practical ways that we can honor our parents. All right? So here's the first one. Uh, I think this comes right out of the Bible. I think one way we honor them is we honor them in our speech. We honor them in speech. Now, what am I talking about? Well, here's what I mean. The way that we talk to them, if your parents are still living, and the way that we talk about them, uh, whether your parents are alive or whether they have passed, the way we talk to them and the way we talk about them. I think for those of us who follow Jesus, and I know not everyone in this room follows Jesus, but for those of us who do, I believe that we are called to speak graciously about our parents, and we are to speak graciously to our parents with grace, graciously, right? It's actually kind of interesting. The word honor, uh, for honor your parents, is the same idea in the Bible uh, when the Bible talks about how we are to honor those who are placed in authority in our lives. I don't know if you know this, but if you're a follower of Jesus, the Bible says those of us who follow Christ, we are supposed to treat with honor and dignity all of those who have been placed in authority in our lives government officials, political officials, those in our community, bosses and parents. The Bible says that we're to treat people who God has placed in authority, even if they don't deserve it, and even if, even if at times uh, we, don't, we don't think, you know, we don't agree with them, the Bible says that we're to treat them with dignity and respect and with honor. And in fact, I, I thought this was interesting. Um, 
when I was thinking about this idea of honoring in speech, the story came to my mind of, uh, of an Acts 23, the book of Acts 23. There's a story about Paul, and I always thought this, this story was so bizarre, uh, but it's also kind of fascinating and a little humorous. I don't know if it's supposed to be funny, but I think it's kind of funny. But in Acts 23, the apostle Paul gets arrested for sharing his faith about Jesus in Jerusalem. So after getting arrested, he stands on trial in front of a group of, a group of people called the Sanhedrin, which was kind of like this political religious group. And I want you to notice what happens. I always thought this was so interesting. The Apostle Paul is on trial. He looks straight at the Sanhedrin, this group of people that was prosecuting him, and he said, my brothers, I fulfilled my duty to God and all good conscience to this day. Watch this. At this, the high priest Ananias, so Ananias was like the authority figure, right? Ananias ordered those standing near Paul to strike him on the mouth. So, so Ananias was like, punch him on the mouth. And so they're like, okay, and bam, they clock Paul in the face. And so Paul's response, like, I don't know what your response would be if someone punched you in the face, but my guess is it'd be something like this. Here's what Paul did. It says, then Paul said to him, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. You sit there and you judge me according to the law, yet you yourself violate the law by commanding that I be struck. So Paul comes right back at him, man. And I, you see, the funny thing is, it's clear that this is a slam on, on the high priest. It's clear. But I think it's funny what he calls him. He says, you whitewashed wall. And I think it's funny because I don't really know what that means. And I'm like, ooh, burn, whitewashed wall. You know, like, what's the cultural equivalent to that? Is that like, you power-washed siding? Like, I don't know, but quick homework assignment this week. I just want you to call someone a whitewashed wall and just see what happens as a result of it. But he says, you whitewashed wall. So he dogs him. He criticizes him. He lashes back at him. Now, watch this. I think this is so important. Those who were standing near Paul said, how dare you insult God's high priest? Paul's response. Paul said, brothers, I did not realize that he was the high priest, for it is written, it's in the Bible, don't speak evil about the ruler of your people. And do you, know, do you notice how quickly the Apostle Paul changed his tune? Do you notice how quickly he recants? He says, he, he, you know, because, man, you whitewash wall, how dare you, you hypocrite, don't punch, don't you punch me, God will strike you. And they're like, dude, that is the high priest. And he was like, I'm sorry, I didn't realize that, that he was the high priest. Because the Bible says, for those of us who follow Jesus, we don't speak evil about those who are in authority. And you guys, I think there's something here for us, because I think as it relates to parents, the Bible would say the same thing, that we are to speak graciously about them. We are to speak graciously to them. We're to treat them with dignity and respect. We're to speak to them in these ways. You know, it's, it's really fascinating. It's unfortunate, though. We live in a culture today where, and you guys know this, there seems to be absolutely no filter about airing our opinion about our political leaders and bosses and parents, and we're so quick to lambast people on Facebook and just voice our opinion and air it without any consideration or thought to respect or to dignity. And listen, I'm really thankful we live in a country where we can practice the freedom of speech. That's a wonderful thing. However, for those of us who follow Jesus, we have to remember we live under a higher law. And that higher law is that we speak with dignity and honor and respect about those who are in authority above us because that pleases God. That pleases God. So what does that mean with parents? Well, I think it means this. I think it means that when we speak about our parents to our siblings or to our friends or in community, that we speak graciously. I don't mean that that means we suppress the truth or we ignore the things that, that have happened in the past. But I think what that means is that we choose grace. We choose grace. We speak gracefully about them. I think what it means is we speak graciously to them. Sometimes what can happen uh, for those of us who are adult children 
is when we go back to see our parents, we can revert back to when we were little kids. You ever notice that? And so you start talking to your mom or dad, and all of a sudden, you're acting like a kid again. And you become whiny, or you become bratty, or you become, I don't want to, mom, you always, dad, you never. And, and I'm just saying, I think we should speak graciously to them, graciously, with respect and dignity and patience. I think we should listen to them. Right, if, if, if our parents are giving us advice and our response is, yeah, 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 I know, I know, I know, I know. I think that speaks more about the arrogance of our heart than the nagging nature of our parents. We need to take a position of humility and dignity and listen to them, right? And I think it's an important thing. So one way that we honor them is we honor them in speech. Here's another way. I think we can honor them in thanks. We honor them in thanks. So, so in the same way that I think we should speak graciously to our parents and graciously about our parents, I think we also need to speak uh, gratefully to our parents and gratefully about our parents. Uh, if they're living, we speak gratefully to them. And if they're living or if they've passed, we speak, we speak thankfully about them, gratefully about them. I think it's so important that we, as children, deliberately look for the good things that our parents did, the right things that they did, and we become thankful for them. I think that's a really important thing, right? Your parents, regardless if they made a bunch of faults, they made a bunch of mistakes, I think it's important to really focus in and say, yeah, but what did they do right? And how can I be thankful for that? And how can I appreciate? And how can I show thankfulness for that? And listen, I know for some of you, especially if you, if you grew up in a tough environment, you might be thinking to yourself, man, you don't understand. There is nothing to thank my parents for. Nothing. They did nothing right. And, and let me just say that if that's your, your spirit, you're wrong about that. You're wrong. They did something right. Your pain is clouding your ability to see things clearly because they did something right. Some of you are like, man, my mom, she was never at home, ever. I practically raised myself. She did nothing right. And I'm like, well, well you had a home, right? Well, yeah. Well, okay. There's something that you could be, your parents provided for you at least those things. You could be thankful for that. My, my dad, he was so strict his rules and his regulations. He never said he loved me. He never said he was proud of me. Never did anything right. You're like, well, you know, I happen to notice you're a very disciplined person. You're really good with your finances. Where'd you learn that from? Well, my dad taught me. Well, all right. There's, some, there's something. They did something right. Listen, at the, at the, very, at the bare minimum, it's interesting. There was this, uh, this article that came out from the U.S. Department of Agriculture a couple years ago. And they, they, through statistical analysis, they figured that uh, each child that is raised from birth to 18 years old costs parents on average $250,000 per child. Okay, that's before college money is involved. I'm watching the parents in this room nodding their head. They're like, yeah, man, carry the one. Yeah, that's about right. You know, about $250,000, right? And so let me just say that before you get all angry with your parents and upset about them, when's the last time you dropped a quarter million dollars on somebody? right? And they did something right. They did, like college students, high school students, if you were to calculate the amount of money you've ever spent on someone else, like, what would it be? 50 bucks, you know, a Starbucks gift card this one time. Like, they dropped a quarter mil on you. So, so if anything, you could just be thankful for that, and you can go buy them dinner or buy them lunch and say thank you for that gift. You can always look for just something to be thankful for. I think Steve Jobs understood this. Steve Jobs, you guys know that the CEO and the founder of Apple Corporation before he passed away. Um, if, I'm not sure if you're real familiar with his story, but he actually didn't know his biological parents. He was given up for adoption at a young age. And, uh, and so before he passed, he wanted to find his biological mother. And so he ended up finding her. And, and the story is really interesting. You can read about it uh, online, obviously. But uh, 
uh, in an interview before he found his mother, uh, interviewers asking him, why do you want to find your mom? And this is what he said. I thought this was so good. He said, I wanted to meet her, mostly to see if she was okay. Then look at this. And I wanted to thank her because I'm glad I didn't end up as an abortion. She was 23 and she went through a lot to have me. I thought, man, talk about a grateful attitude. Here's someone who did not even know his mom, but he says, you know what? She was 23. She didn't know what was going on. She could have aborted me, and she sacrificed of herself to bring me into this world and to give me life. And I guess he ended up meeting her eventually, and when he met her, she was full of remorse and regret, and she was apologizing to him. And he said, no, don't apologize. He said, I ended up fine. I had a great childhood. I just want to thank you for not aborting me. I just thought, man, that's what, that's, I think one way we honor our parents is we honor them with thankfulness. We think, we speak gratefully about them. We speak gratefully to them. I think we, we, we take every opportunity we can to say thank you to our parents for the good things that they've done in our life. I'm just telling you, you guys, it, it might feel corny or hokey or whatever, but I promise you, if, if your parents are still living, they long to hear these words from you. They long to hear you say thank you for what you've done because I guarantee that your parents need that and they crave that and they would love to hear that from you, to hear gratitude in that. It's a, I think that could be a relationship changer for some of you, to change to an attitude of thankfulness. I'll give you another one. Practical ways to honor. We honor in speech. We honor in thanks. Here's one. I think another way we honor is we honor in consideration, in consideration. So what am I talking about with consideration? Well, what I mean by that is... Um, Consider it in that we, as children, are cognizant of the fact that our parents are fellow human beings who are flawed just like we are, right? And sometimes I think we can forget to view our parents, because they're our parents, sometimes we forget to, to remember that they're actually people too, and that they have uh, pain, and they have struggles, and they have faults, and they have failures too, just like the rest of us do. And so I think that means that we could be compassionate towards them. I love the way Dennis Rainey said it. Dennis Rainey in his book called The Tribute, he said, honoring your parents is an attitude accompanied by actions that say to your parents, you are worthy. You have value. You are the people that God has sovereignly placed in my life. You may have failed me. You may have hurt me. You may have disappointed me at times, but I, I love this, but I'm taking off my judicial robe and I am releasing you from the courtroom of my mind. Now watch what he says next. This is so good. He says, I choose to look at you with eyes of compassion, compassion, consideration, as you are, as people with needs, as people with concerns, with pains and scars of your own. Now, I'm just, I'm just saying that to get to this place where you can view your parents this way, as, as fellow people who have needs and concerns and pains and scars of their own, it takes a lot of maturity to get there. It takes a lot of maturity. But I think this is huge, and it means that we treat our parents with consideration. We're considerate. We're compassionate. We're saying, man, you're not perfect. You're not perfect. And so I'm not going to put that weight on you uh, that, 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 you know, of, that I'm not going to look to you to be my sole source of identity and my sole source of approval in this life because I realize you're, you're a person. You have your own pain. You have your own fault. You have your own failures. You have your own upbringing that you're interacting with. And so I can recognize that in you. I think what that means... Uh, Practically speaking, high school students, middle school students, I think that what, what that means is that as hard as it is for you, that you should try to at times put yourself in, in the shoes of your parents. Right? Just try to imagine. If you're, a, if you're a high school student or middle school student, just try to imagine for just a second what it must be like to raise you. And just think about that. And, and as you think about it, be compassionate to your parents. 
Make, when, when you, teenager or high school student, when you have an attitude, and your attitude is one of gripey and groany, and, and you just like, man, you guys are dumb. I'm not doing your stuff. Rules are dumb. I hate you guys. Like, if that's your attitude, just put yourself in the, in the shoes of your parents for a minute. How easy do you think it is for them? And I know this is hard to do, but just want you to imagine, how easy do you think it is for them to lead you? How easy? How easy is it to lead anyone like that? It's hard. It's hard. On the, other, on the other side of things, think about this for a minute, uh, high school students, middle school students. If you had an attitude of, of, of respect and dignity, and, and you, you, you listen the first time, every time with a great, can you imagine, put yourself in the shoes of your parents, can you imagine how good that would be for them? Can you imagine how grateful they would be for that? And listen, I think to do that, to be considerate to your parents, especially if you're a high school student or a middle school student, that takes a great amount of maturity, a great amount of maturity. But I believe that you're mature enough that you can handle it. And I think it's a big thing. I think it pleases God, right? For college students, for those who are grown and are out of the house for adult, uh, for adult children, how do we be considerate to our parents? Well, there's a whole myriad of ways. Here, here's just a few. I think things like practically remembering birthdays, celebrating them on holidays, including them in your life and family gatherings. I think it means uh, calling them even when you don't feel like calling them. Uh, specifically college students, it's probably a good thing for you to do. I'll just tell you on this one, I am, the, I am definitely the negative example on this. Um, I was thinking about this when I was preparing for this sermon, and I felt so bad because I was just thinking about when I was in college. And, and when I was in college, when I was in my early 20s, I was the first one in my family to go away to college. I, I went to Chicago. My parents lived here in Ohio. And I, I literally would, it would go two months before I would call my mom or I'd call my dad. And, and I, I, knew, I knew they wanted to hear from me. I know that they, but I was just so absorbed in myself that I, I just wouldn't, I wasn't considerate towards them. And as I was thinking about it, I felt even more bad because I was in this stage of my life back then when I was in this high thrill-seeking period. And so, and so for a long time there, I was, and I've toned down quite a bit since then, but since, like, I remember I was riding motorcycles across the country, I was jumping out of airplanes, I was jumping off of high things into bodies of water, and I remember I would talk to my mom about it, I'd be like, mom, I just jumped off this thing, or I just rode my bike, and I did this thing, and I remember my mom telling me, she's like, don't tell me that, and I thought it was funny, and now that I think back at it, I'm like, my poor mom. The stuff I put her through, I probably single-handedly built her faith more than anyone else because I, I was just like, man, and I just think about it, and I just was not considerate to her at all. And so college students, I think, and in, in, in adults, I think it means, man, we, we, we're considerate of them. They probably want to hear from you. They probably want to feel included and invited in the things that you're doing. Quick side note, by the way, I just thought that this was worth mentioning. If you're a high school student or you're a college student, and the only reason I'm saying this is because I used to lead the college ministry at one of our other campuses for, uh, for seven years. And when I was leading the college ministry, I used to have high school students and college students come to me and they would say that they, were, they would be all fired up about Jesus. They would be like, man, you know, I finally found faith for myself for the first time. And they get real amped up about following God. And they get real amped up about following Jesus. And they would come to me. They'd say, Tony, man, I am so fired up about Jesus. But my parents, they don't know Jesus. Or my parents, they think they know Jesus. And they go to church. But they didn't do it right. And so I'm going to go home. And I'm going to preach to them and tell them how they did things wrong and how they need to come to Jesus now. And I remember so many times I, I would just say, don't do that. Do not do that. That's not, that's not the best play in the world, is to go and tell your parents how they did everything wrong now that you've been out of the house for six months. Like, don't do that. And so what I'd say is, I'd say, hey, listen, if you want to honor your parents, listen, if you really want to show the love of Jesus to your parents, if you want to witness 
to your unbelieving parents, I said, here's what you need to do. And if, if you're in that situation right now, here's what you need to take notes if you need to. Go home, do the dishes, make your bed, clean something without being asked. And I guarantee you, your atheist parents will believe there is a God in heaven <laughs> and that he is in your midst, right? And so it's just, man, be con- considerate to them. Be considerate. I think that's a way that we honor our parents. So, so in speech and thanks and consideration, I'll give you one more. This comes right out of the Bible. We honor in provision. Uh, now, I'm speaking specifically to a certain season in life, but one of the ways we honor our parents is in providing for them. You know, it's, biblically, God designed it a certain way. When you read in the Bible and what you see is God designed the family in such a way that early on, children are largely dependent on their parents. They depend on their parents for everything, for food, for shelter, for the basic necessities of life, for health and for care. And the Bible seems to tell us that later on in life, there's a shift that takes place and children are God's given, are God's given method uh, to help provide for aging parents. It's how God designed it to be. In fact, I'll just show you what it says. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, the Apostle Paul says, but if a widow or a widower, um, in that case, someone who's later on in their life, probably in the final season of their life, if they have children or grandchildren, they should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and their grandparents for this is pleasing to God. I want you to notice the language here. The Bible says that God wants us to live in such a way that we repay our parents for the good things they've done for us and providing for us, and that this pleases God when we do this. It pleases God when we, when we do this. Now, the Bible even goes so far to say that when we care for our aging parents and when we help provide for them in the final seasons of life, that that is us putting our religion into practice. That in other words, if we don't do this, if we fail to do this, uh, we are actually not, for those of us who follow Jesus, we are not living according to the faith that God has given us. Some of you might be saying, well, that sounds pretty, pretty strong. Well, if you think that's strong, look what it says in verse 8. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith. They're worse than an unbeliever. So look, God puts a lot of weight on this one, all right? And, and I think one of the ways that we honor our parents is, is we help provide for them um, in the, the later seasons of life. And, and I know there's a lot of considerations with this. For some of you, you might be navigating this right now. Do we put them in a nursing home? Do we not put, put them in a nursing home? There's so many different considerations that have to be thought through. But I think if the heart is, I want to honor my, my mother and father, I want them to feel loved, I want them to be comfortable, I want them to, to feel included, not, not forgotten. I think if that's your heart, then that's the, that pleases God. And I could just tell you personally on this one, um, my parents, uh, I feel really, really spoiled because my parents are awesome. I have really great parents, and they did so many things right. But I can just tell you that, that this one, they did really well. This idea of, of providing for their parents. And I, I got to watch both of my parents. My, on my dad's side, my, my grandfather and my grandmother passed away. And then on my mom's side, we lost our grand, my, my grandmother this year, but my grandfather is still with us. But through all of that, I watched my parents. And I watched them take care of them. I watched them make sure they were comfortable and included and provide for them and visit with them. And I'm just telling you, man, that, that pleases God. That's a good thing. It's a good thing. We could say a lot more, uh, but I'll end with this thought. Ephesians 6, I want you to notice 
he says, honor your father and mother, which is, now notice this, it's the first commandment with a promise. So the Bible says there's actually a promise attached to this. In fact, this is, this is the first commandment of the Ten Commandments that God staples a promise to. And what's the promise? He says that it'll go well with you, that you'll enjoy long life on this earth. And some of, and I've heard people, they're like, what does that mean? Does that mean like if I don't honor my parents, like God's going to kill me? Like, is that what it's talking about? Or does that mean that like if I do honor my parents, that I'll never get cancer and I'll live to be 96? Is that what that means? Well, and not necessarily, because you have to remember that this commandment was given to an entire nation of people. And so when God says that it's going to go well with you and you're going to enjoy a long life, what he's saying is if you build a society on this, society wins. It will go well for you in society. But here, here's what I want you to really notice on this. When God commands us to honor our parents, he doesn't command that to us because he wants something from us. You see this? He wants something for us. That in other words, God says, I want you to flourish. And one of the keys to you flourishing in the way that God has designed is that you honor your parents. To honor your parents. So what does this mean? Well, I think practically what it means is that children, we need to make a decision. We need to make a choice to honor our parents. It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's a decision. And I think we have to decide. I'm going to honor my mother. I'm going to honor my father. Right? And we make a decision to do that. And listen, I know for some of you today, you might be in a situation with your parents where you are, your relationship with them is strained. Maybe for some of you, you're in a, you haven't talked to them in a while. Maybe for some of you, you're estranged from your parents and, and there's been, and you guys have a silence because of something that happened years ago and you haven't, you have, you're waiting for them to break the silence and they're waiting for you and you're in a stalemate. And I understand there's a bunch of different relational dynamics there, but let me, let me just say this. Man, honor your parents. You take the initiative. If you're a follower of Jesus, you take the initiative to honor your mother and father. In fact, if I could even do this, if I could beg you, because I'll just tell you, I've, I've sat with too many people preparing for the funeral of their mother or their father who, who have written a tribute to their mom or dad and in tears, I can't tell you how many times this has happened, and in tears they looked at me and they said, I wish I would have done this when they were living. I wish I would have said this when I could. And I'm just saying, man, don't be that person. Don't be that person. You can say it now. You can honor them now. You can let, some of you are like, man, even if your parents, if they give you no indication that they want your honor or that they want to receive your honor, don't believe them. There is something in the heart of every parent that desires this, to be honored by their children. And so honor your father and mother. So for some of you, man, what does that mean? I think for some of you, it might mean that maybe you need to get a phone call in. Maybe you need to write a letter expressing thanks to them, expressing gratefulness for the, to honor them. Let them know how you feel. Don't just let it sit inside. Let them know. Maybe for some of you, what it means is you need to break the silence. Maybe you need to be the one that apologizes. Some of you are thinking, well, they were the ones that's wrong. I'm waiting for them. Don't wait for them. There's not enough time. There's not enough time to let this sit. It pleases God to honor our father and our mother. Now, some of you might be thinking to yourself, man, we should have heard this message two years ago. We should have heard this message 10 years ago. But my parents have passed. It's too late for me now. And let me just say, I don't think it's ever too late to honor your parents. Honestly, I don't think it is. Because you can still honor them in the way you speak about them, in the way that you're thankful for them. Here's a couple suggestions I would encourage you to. Maybe this. Maybe what you want to do is get it on paper. Write down, you know, if your mom or your dad has passed, write down 
all that they meant to you and all the things you wish you could have said to them. And next time you have a family get together, like if you're, you know, you guys are gathered around you know, Father's Day or whatever, pull out the letter and say, you know what, guys, this, this might sound kind of weird, but I just want to read this. And I just, I just want to take a moment to honor, I know dad's not with us anymore, but I just want to take a moment, I just want to talk about what he meant to me and how important he was to me. Honor him. Maybe do that for your mom. Maybe for some of you, maybe you go to the graveside of, of your, your, your mom or your dad or whoever it was that was key in your upbringing. You bring your kids with you and you read. You know, there's some stuff I wanted to say to grandpa. Now that he's gone, I want to say it in front of you guys because I want to honor him. You can do that. And I think that pleases God. And by the way, I would encourage you to do this in front of your kids because the way that you honor your parents is the way they're going to honor you. And, and it is a generational thing. And I think it's really important. Okay, ask the band to come up, and uh, as they start to make their way up here, uh, I just want to close with one final thought, and then we'll pray, we'll pray, we'll pray, we'll pray, and, uh, and here, here's kind of the final thought I want to sort of close with, and that, that's this, everything that I said today about honoring our parents is actually not possible if you do not first yet understand, and if you have not first yet come to God as your perfect heavenly father. It's, it, you, can't, you cannot honor and, and love and forgive your parents fully until you come to God and interact with him as your perfect heavenly father. Because, because as long as you're looking to your parents to be your source of identity or your source of acceptance or your source of approval in life, um, I don't think you're ever going to be free to forgive them and love them the way God wants you to. I think the only way you can do that is when you come to God as your heavenly father and realize that he is the only perfect heavenly father. That when you, can, when you can find your approval in him and your satisfaction in him and not in your earthly father or your earthly mother, it's only then that you're free. That you're free to love them and to see their flaws and, and not take it personal. Uh, but to be able to love them through those things. And so I would encourage you, if you're a person that's never put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you're a person who's never known God as father, you can do that. You can do that. That is, an, that is available to you today. And, and uh, there's no magic formula. You can just talk to God. And you can just say, God, I want to accept your free gift of forgiveness in my life. I want to interact with you. And I want to know you as Father. And just talk to him between your heart and God's heart. And, uh, and start to pursue him that way. Let's pray together. Well, God, I just want to say thank you that uh, uh, as it relates to this uh, dynamic between children and parents, that once again, Father, you have, uh, you've given us what we need to, to know how to navigate in those relationships. God, your word, it is a, it's a light and a lamp. It guides us and it directs us and it helps us know how to experience the flourishing that you want for us in this life. And one of the key aspects of flourishing is, uh, God, that we honor our mom and dad. And I know for some of us in this room, that's easy because our mom and dad are honorable people. And, uh, and Father, we're thankful for that. And for some of us, it's difficult. For some of us, God, it, uh, it, takes, a big, it takes a large faith to be able to to, to respond to you instead of react to our parents. But God, I pray for those who are in that situation that you would help them to respond to you, that you would help them to trust you, that what you say is good and what you say is right, and what you say is really for our, for our, for our flourishing and for our best. So God, give us, uh, give us courage. God, give us strength. I pray you give us boldness enough to actually do something about this. God, I know for some of us, there's some ideas floating in our mind, even as we're talking about things we could do or letters we could write or ways we could honor. Help us not to walk out of this room and let those things just be ideas that sit in our mind. I pray that they would actually show up in our lives, that it actually would affect real change. And God, I just ask that that would happen. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.